This is The Shift Podcast. Thanks for checking out The Shift Weekend Podcast. And on this episode, we have a conversation with Nicole Haley. She's a relationship, dating, and love expert as we're just days away from Valentine's Day. And what is dating like during COVID-19? How exactly does Cupid do his business as everyone else is social distancing and not really able to meet in person? Then a conversation about the national anthem and specifically whether or not it should be performed during sporting events. Earlier this week, the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA had decided, at least temporarily, that the anthem would not be played before games, although that decision didn't last long. Then we'll get into some Are You OKs asking you about virtual concerts, Kevin James, and Taylor Swift. Yes, very celebrity-heavy edition of Are You OK? And finally, another edition of Learning Portuguese with Leonardo. Don't forget, if you enjoy what you hear, hit that subscribe button and stay updated on all the things that are happening on The Shift. It's important to know. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And last week in preparation for this show tonight, Leo and I were talking about how it's got to be a weird and challenging experience dating during COVID-19. And since Valentine's Day is quickly coming, we just knew we need to talk to an expert. So with that in mind, we are now joined by Nicole Haley, a relationship, dating, and love expert at NicoleTalksLove.com. You've probably heard her uh, with Maureen McGrath of the Sunday Night Health Show on 980 CKW, if you happen to live in Vancouver. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. I'm excited. Hot topic. Yeah, absolutely. So as mentioned, you know, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And uh, certainly, I think for those of us who might be in relationships already or, um, you know, might be married, uh, it's probably not going to be terribly different from how Valentine's Day have gone in the past. Of course, there's going to be restrictions, social distancing and all these things. But... It's interesting to now get um, the perspective of maybe those who are not in relationships right now. And I just wanted to know, what what is that world like at this moment with COVID-19? What is the dating world like? Because there are so many uh, challenges to the way we're supposed to live right now. Yeah, it is an interesting topic. I got a lot of people reaching out regarding how do I date? And a lot of people are like, I just don't want to go online. Like that's the biggest conversation. Hmm. They never liked it before COVID and now they're kind of forced to like it, even though it's not their natural way of being. So the dating scene's definitely changed. And I think people are having to become a lot more open to the online world and being okay with it so that there are options to meet because our normal way of meeting people, like there's five different ways you can meet people from friends of friends, like gatherings, to out and about, to like networking and meetings to like even just common interests, but a lot of those have all been removed or restricted. So that natural organic way isn't quite the same. So people are like, oh my gosh, maybe this is the only way to do it. Mm. And so what you can look at is when you're looking at meeting people, we tend to think it's only the dating apps or only the dating site. But really, like I was saying, you can find these common interests through online, whether it's the Facebook groups, forums, different common interests. If you're learning something, you may find it in that. So just kind of think in your mind that it doesn't always have to be online dating apps to meet people, but it definitely has more of an online presence is where you're going to probably interact a little bit more than usual. Yeah, I think that's a great point because uh, there are plenty of like hiking groups uh, that I know a lot of my friends are a part of. And although uh, <clears throat> there might be a little bit of a different experience if you're hiking, social distancing and all that, like there's an opportunity to at least already find some common ground there and strike a, strike a conversation up. Now, <clears throat> 
Maybe it's starting that conversation in the first place. That's still the biggest challenge for people. Maybe it's actually a little bit easier to do it online because you don't have to worry about like face-to-face rejection being like, oh no, this person's not interested and I'm going to have to go sulk in the corner. But uh, I imagine like that might be the biggest challenge of all. How do you actually engage that first meet opportunity? Uh, I know there's dating apps, but if you're just going to reach out to somebody on, on like a Facebook with a, with a message directly, um, maybe that's a little scary for people still. It can be because you're looking at like all your social platforms, like your Facebook groups, your Instagram accounts, maybe some different forums you're in. But I think it's we attach so much to rejection. If we go in with the idea like, I'm just curious to start a conversation, I'm really genuinely curious about knowing this person a little bit more, it takes that pressure off. If we go in with, ooh, will they like me? Will they want to respond back? What do they mean? What does this mean about me? Then there's so much pressure that we kind of freeze or we get awkward and, and we kind of don't know how to respond or even how to start. But if we take that pressure off and be like, you know what, this person sounds interesting, I'm just kind of curious to know more and then see where it goes, as opposed to, oh, this is it. I finally found someone. Right. <laughs> work yeah i mean what what i was thinking here too was that um dating in COVID 19 and and using that online presence that you're talking about surely there are some similarities then we can draw between dating in COVID 19 and then just online dating as it is normally or uh, long distance relationships because there is that physical barrier there usually um there there's the kind of the mandatory uh, way of using technology, whether it's messaging or apps or whatever, to try and build these moments where you can have uh, like a moment of connection, although you're not in the same room or something like that. So would you agree that maybe those who are already used to online dating or comfortable with the internet and and all these different apps might be in a better advantageous position now because they might just have more experience with these kinds of things? They can, absolutely, because there's a level of familiarity. At the same time, we can also burn out. So people who have been on the apps a lot already and feel a little bit frustrated by it can be like, oh my gosh, I'm restricted to this. So it's checking in with ourselves, like getting rid of any of the old stories we have of like, there's never been anyone good online, or I've been on it for so many times or so many months or so many years, this isn't going to work. So when we go with that energy, we're kind of already reciprocating that we're going to get that back. Mm. So we kind of have to draw a line and be like, okay, I'm starting fresh. I'm going with new energy. I'm going to explore this as opposed to, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. That's what it was in the past. So there is that familiarity, but I also think people are kind of forced to be online more, right? Zoom is like bloomed out, right? All these different team meetings, all these different ways of being online. So I think people are a lot more exposed. Even doing your radio show from a home environment is more common. So mm-hmm. I think we're all being encouraged to be online more. So the familiarity is definitely more uh, available. Right. And, and and then when it comes to those dating apps like Tinder, Bumble, and there's so many more uh, that I certainly am not totally familiar with, but Tinder and Bumble seem to be like the two main ones that uh, that I know about. I Look, for full transparency, I've used them in the past. So I, I know it, it does work and I know, it, you know, plenty of people use it. But there seems to be a common thread, like people that go into it with the attitude that you're talking about, like, oh, I've been on, on it for months. I haven't gotten a single date or... Maybe these people aren't setting themselves up in the best way possible. So with that in mind, like I wanted to ask, what are some common mistakes that maybe people will make when it comes to using these apps? And maybe just starting with like how you create a profile to represent yourself. Yeah, that's a good good way to segue in is that I think a lot of times right now I've noticed, and you'll even see in statistics, like things went skyrocketed in the beginning in March, and then again in July online, massive amount of users. And I think it's all of a sudden this urgency, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to meet people? So I'll go online. So that's one thing that started to happen. But the other thing that I find, and mistake-wise, is sometimes we're bored. 
we're really bored and mm. so we're not getting out we're not doing our social interactions like we normally would so we tend to use online as a quick fix for validation like we're looking for that um, appreciation acknowledgement a thumbs up a like so we're trying to make ourselves feel good and when we go in unconsciously with that intention we can be easily discouraged because we're swiping and be like oh my gosh there's no one on here that i even interested in mm. i'm not getting the response i want so if we go in unintentionally looking for some validation we will be disappointed right so that's the number one mistake is really get clear with yourself what is the reason you're going on are you bored are you looking for some quick like notifications are you looking for something long term are you looking like get clear on what you want because the more clear you are the more you're going to be able to sift through or filter to find that right fit but if you're not clear it can be overwhelming or easily discouraging yeah i think that's a great point because if you're not totally honest with yourself then that like that's red flag number one and and maybe you need to have an honest conversation about like what it is that you truly want out of these apps because if you just want to like boost your self-confidence get some flirty messages and you know have, feel good that way like yay you know it's totally understandable but you're going to give some people the wrong impression if for example somebody's uh, matched with you and then you're trying to strike up a conversation clearly you don't want things to go too far but this person might be thinking oh great I finally might have found someone that is really interesting totally. oh my gosh so true yeah and I think the more we have to be honest honest with ourselves and honest with each other and I think that's where the level of online's got to up level like mm. we all got to take some ownership in what we really want and to be able to communicate it and again it goes back to that rejection piece if we're okay hearing the truth and not personalize it then we'll be a lot more willing to share what we really think right and that's, i think a new area that we all can do in any area of our life but specifically when it comes to online dating yeah i think again like honesty is the best policy as they yeah. say so that saying just continues to ring true uh right now we're in conversation with nicole haley she's a dating and love coach uh, you can find her work online uh, nicole talks love Dot com and you know when it comes down to again those those dating apps um can we generalize that uh, that maybe like men and women go into it for different reasons or is it just still very independently focused like if you are indeed looking for love and you're looking for your one true soulmate well it doesn't matter your gender you're going to hopefully find somebody on those apps yeah i would agree i don't think it's a gender thing specific um, and I don't think it's even whether we're heterosexual or homosexual, that doesn't matter either. I think it's our intention of what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. All of us individually can go in for different reasons. And so it's getting clear on ourselves how we approach it might be a little bit different. And what I mean by that is women, like you said, we might start connecting with someone and we're like, oh my God, finally, someone I like, someone there's a good connection with, meaning the conversation's flowing. We might have some similar interests, the dialogue's going. So in her mind, she may go ahead of herself. It's called future pacing. She gets so quick into thinking this is going to go somewhere. Hmm. And then she kind of like unintentionally maybe shuts down other options, other conversations, because she wants to see where this one potential will go. But at the same time, men don't do that. He's still dating other people. He's building a connection upon a connection upon a connection. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I really like her. But a woman, we can know within a conversation or two dates, we really like him. So we're already that much further ahead. And so the timing and the pacing is different, but we both can have the same intention. Right. And and on the notion of having like those witty opening lines to start a conversation, is that a little overblown? Like when people go into using these apps, maybe for the first time, and, and you stress about so much, like, oh, am I interesting enough? Is my profile picture interesting enough? Do I look handsome or attractive enough? And then all of a sudden, like, oh, what's the funniest, wittiest opening line that I can come up with? Like, are these kind of unimportant in the bigger detail of things? 
Yeah, for sure. Now it is because there's so much uh, like it's so inundated right now to try to stand out is 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 going to be tricky if we're trying to play like a game or trying to be that. I think the biggest thing is to be authentic and to really look for something that you find interesting in that portfolio, like their their write up, their photo, that kind of idea and draw from that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why you want to have your um, profile have some interesting things about you. If it's very generic, I like walking along the seawall. I like <laughs> inside, drinking wine, cuddling on the couch, watching Netflix. Well, jeepers, that's just about every person <laughs> say that, right? So now the person reading that profile has got to become creative to figure out what it is about you that makes you you unique. So the more you've descriptive, so maybe instead of watching Netflix, you might be like, I'm binging right on on Grace Anatomy and I can't get enough. Don't tell me the ending, right? Now I can have a conversation. I can pull something in if I'm reading that profile. Or, you know, I've been walking and as much as I love walking, I my legs are dying to go for a really hard hike, but the reality is it's not happening. So I already can tell you like hiking, but not just a simple hike. You want the hardcore, like giving more detail, allow someone to really get to know you. And that makes you stand out. That gives people curiosity to want more and also to know how to engage with you. We continue now our converse, conversation rather, with Nicole Haley, a relationship, dating, and love expert in preparation for Valentine's Day. Nicole, before the break here, we were talking about Tinder and Bumble profiles and the stress that might go into trying to create this eye-catching profile. But it looks like, based on what you're saying, honesty is always the number one policy. And if it's good enough for you, it's got to be good enough for the person you're trying to connect with. So at the end of the day, stop doubting yourself. Right. And you're kind of wanting to paint a picture, right? You're kind of kind of creating who am I? What's unique about me? And not like unique as in special, but what's a a characteristic that my friends would say this is about me? Like, do you like binge watching? What's your quirky thing you really like? You know, are you really into craft beer? Maybe you might talk about, oh my gosh, I'm just on a huge craft binge. I love craft beer. It's my favorite one right now is this, Mm. but I can't seem to get it because it's all out of stock. Like that tells me something a bit about you, right? So you're not trying to find how to be more witty. You're just trying to communicate what's, what's something about you that I would be curious to know more. Now, uh, in the scenario where, uh, you know, maybe one of our listeners has managed to strike up a conversation and, and they've decided, okay, let's let's go on a first date. Yeah. W- what is a first date supposed to look like in COVID-19? Because uh, we're, we're not really supposed to be meeting in, in person. And if we are, then you have to maintain that physical barrier. So I'm assuming most people right now on a first date, they're they're doing like a Zoom call or they're doing a yeah. FaceTime session. Totally. So that's so good you bring this up because I think what happens, the caution with especially right now with COVID and the restrictions, you can very easily have it go into pen pal energy, meaning you're right. chatting and getting to know each other so much that when you do meet they're in person or even on a video chat, you've created who you think that person is in your mind and then you meet them and you're like, whoa, hmm. wait a minute, you're you're something's off. And it's off because we spent so much time picturing who we think they are that the reality doesn't match. So the key on that is we really want to make sure we connect sooner than later. The other reason is, is if we can have it fizzle out, I've had a lot of people like it was really good. We had a really good banter and then just kind of fizzled. And I feel like I just got ghosted. Mm. And the reason that happens is you can only create so much text bantering before you need something else to build on. 
And so you really want to think about three to five messages and then get on the phone or get on a Zoom chat because you can hear a lot more in a person's voice, right? So getting away from just the texting because you can misread tons in texting. So get in on the voice. And if you're brave enough, I'd recommend doing a Zoom call or a FaceTime. And a lot of these apps are now built that in because they know video chat is the next step before you actually maybe meet in person. And that's when you can learn so much about their behavior. You can see what's in their background, maybe <laughs> one of those screens on. You can be like, oh, that's an interesting background, or oh, you can build a conversation even just in the environment that you see them in. And I think that's key, and that's where people are getting that level of comfort. And I think too, online dating and the COVID has slowed things down. People are more curious to go a little bit deeper in knowing somebody before they meet right away. Mm. So that relationship, that really getting to know someone is deepening as opposed to next, who else is out there? I met them next, who else is out there? Now we're taking more time to really get to know them before we even meet in person. Yeah, and I think that, again, kind of goes back to those who might have been doing online dating or long-distance dating for a while. It's, it's exactly those points, is that uh, if you manage to get early uh, video chats in or phone calls in, and then you finally meet the person, well, there's no level of, like, uh, disappointment or some sort of weird, like, realization that, oh, this isn't going to work. You just kind of appreciate that, oh, my God, we're finally here in person, and we get to, you know, hug, we get to shake hands. I don't know if that's weird, but, like, you know. Yeah, elbow to elbow. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And I think what you were saying about when we do meet in person, before you meet in person, some of the conversations you want to have is like, what's your level of comfort? What's my level of comfort? Mm. Are we good with indoor environments? Are we better with outdoor environments? Are we good with masks without masks? Are we going to, how do we want to greet each other when we see each other? Like having some of that get like spoken to. So when we're in, it's not so awkward and we're on the same page as opposed to being like, oh, you're coming in for a hug or a kiss. Oh, <laughs> and we can create this awkwardness without even realizing. It. So it's better to clear the air before mm. you're in those situations. Yeah, it's funny because traditionally, you know, those sorts of topics or, or uh, conversations would never really naturally come up. But now it feels like it's so important to just highlight what are my comfort levels and the boundaries that I'm willing to uh, surrender to you, but the boundaries that I'm also steadfast enforcing because, you know, it's my health here, for goodness sakes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I think people have never really known what their boundaries were, right? Because it, it's kind of wishy-washy. Right. We're trying to impress somebody or we're trying to get them to like us or convince them they should be with us. But now, yeah, like you said, our health and just a variety of other factors now make these boundaries a lot more clear or firm. And so it's okay to have them. And then that, that brings us to uh, another, I think it's an important part of this conversation, is that when um, two people that might still be doing mostly FaceTimes or Zoom sessions and the, the, the topic of intimacy, because uh, that's, of course, a natural part of any relationship, those that have never done like intimate Zoom calls or, or experiences like that before, uh, it can be a lot maybe to just sort of throw away the insecurity and self-doubt that you might have because it's something completely brand new to you. So is that something that um, they just kind of have to deal with? Or would you maybe recommend that, hey, if you have strong, intimate feelings with this person, and of course, if it's a mutual feeling, then maybe it's best holding off on those uh, those emotions and feelings for now until it's actually safe enough and you're both comfortable enough to, to meet in person and then, you know, just get intimate in that way. Yeah. So interesting. My, part of my thoughts go to both of those answers. Right. <laughs> right. Cause in one part you're like, yeah, like if you're already doing the video chats and it's already developing, you get the sense that the two of you are somewhat exclusive, right? You've decided that you both want to explore this and you live in places where it's going to be a while. And because the restrictions keep changing, we have no idea when this will be depending right. where you live or how you met. Then there's this element like, yeah, if you're both comfortable, maybe you can move into that 
Then the other element is that there is that humanism. We need that connection because you can read so much from somebody as well. Mm. And so having that in person really allows that depth to be there. So there's no right or wrong answer, to be honest, because each situation is so unique. And you, I think the key is when it's, it feels like the theme is the honesty, but just checking in with yourself. What do I need in this moment to yeah. feel safe? What do I need in this moment to feel acknowledged, to feel reciprocated, or to feel received? love to give love and i think too intimacy changes there's so many ways to create intimacy and i think there's that sexual intimacy for sure but then there's so many other elements that create that leading up to it and it can even just be having deeper conversations it might be more flirty it might be a bit of sex texting to what level is really yourself checking in right and again honesty uh, you know we keep bringing it up but right now because of the challenges that we're all facing on our day-to-day lives certainly our love lives and our and our relationships with people we have mm-hmm. to be entirely honest about uh, the expectations and the limitations yeah. that maybe we're comfortable with right now totally and i think what you just mentioned too is those expectations are also if you're in a long distance relationship so say you've already been with your partner and now you're trapped like in a sense that you can't get to each yeah other. yeah those expectations need to be clear too like I need to hear from you every day or I need to hear from you at the end of the night or I need 24 hours before you feel pressure that I haven't responded and you're upset with me. Like being really clear on what we need or don't need helps to create that um, expectations, the knowing of what to um, get from each other avoids conflict. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Conflict is definitely something that uh, I think most people that have been in relationships before are very familiar with and it can rise out of miscommunication and not again, clarifying what it is you want and what it is this relationship needs to be about. So uh, it, it, it's an excellent point. And and finally, you know, before we let you go here, and I, again, I appreciate your time here. It's uh, Nicole Haley, dating and love coach. Uh, her, her online website is NicoleTalksLove.com. Uh, that brings us to those who might just be surrendering themselves to the fact that maybe it's COVID-19, maybe it's not worth trying, maybe I'm all alone in this world right now because, you know, there's a lot of negativity with all the things going on in the world. I think it's really important that we remind everybody that there is someone out there for you. It feels so like silly because we hear this all the time, but it's absolutely true, isn't it? And if you're not feeling totally enthused by the dating scene right now, that's okay. It's it's part of what being maybe single is all about. But don't give up on yourself and don't give up on the fact that you can find love. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And if you're feeling that burnout or frustration, take a pause, reach into your friends, reach into family and then pursue it again. But I think love is always available. We're just looking for it. It's about like changing and checking in with ourselves of like, what am I looking for again? So when you're out and about um, interacting, you're a little more clear, but definitely love is there. And I think this also, the time we're in right now, there's a lot of self-reflection. So it's also looking at like, how do I um, give myself love? You know, that phrase self-love, it's such a cheesy term, but the reality is what do I do to feel good about myself? Mm. What are the things that I can focus on that will help me feel grounded and connected so I'm not so feeling alone and isolated? What are those little things I need? Yeah, once you love yourself and then you can go and find the love of your life, but uh, number one step, definitely loving yourself. Uh, Nicole, before we let you go, for those that are listening and, and we're very interested to see um, you know, how you can maybe be more of a help to them independently, uh, what are some ways that they can reach out to you and what are some of the services that you actually do offer here? Yeah, thank you. Um, you can definitely reach out on any platform. It's Nicole Talks Love. I do one-on-one coaching for couples, for individuals, maybe those that are like single and trying to figure out the dating scene, or maybe they're in a dating relationship and they're like, I'm not sure if this is right. Or maybe you're already in a relationship and you're trying to keep that spark alive. So a variety of different stages. Um, And then I've got some different group programs also that 
can help you kind of learn more about yourself and dating and the opposite sex for sure so lots of different ways that way but love to connect i offer what's called let's talk love an opportunity to jump on the phone with me and get like 30 45 minutes of tips and insight because sometimes you just have big questions like mm-hmm. i'm not sure what do i what about this situation and here's what you could do <laughs> perfect that's uh, nicole haley nicole talks love.com one final question before we let you go uh there's going to be a lot of debates from uh, a bunch of people on valentine's day what's the perfect gift can we at least agree that the worst gift might be a fruit bouquet like nobody enjoys a fruit bouquet am i right Oh my god, that's awesome! Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good question because now you're like, yeah, what's the best gift? Hmm, I, that's such a good. I wouldn't even have a right answer because I think, oh, chocolate. That's so like cliche, you know. And flowers are so cliche. Our, here, how, how about this one then? Because our producer Leo suggested the other night um, a gift card to like a bookstore. Oh, what, what, what is what is your reaction to that? Um, that's not bad. I think women are wanting more central things. Mm-hmm. And men are looking for more practical things. Fair. So okay. You're looking at more like a gift card for a clothing store or a makeup store or a spa. That would probably be more the woman would prefer. Men would maybe like, yeah, the Canadian Tire, the, the practical thing. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Nicole Haley, thank you so much again for your time and uh, giving us some advice here. Awesome. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, there it is, Nicole Haley, the relationship, dating, and love expert, and her website is NicoleTalksLove.com. Uh, so great to get her thoughts and her expertise on this matter. And Leo, I, I hope you were listening and taking some notes. Did you learn anything there? Uh, she totally did. <laughs> she wasn't? No. No, 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 no. She said, well, it's she not was, bad. Ah, she, she was just being nice. Come on, you know how, how to read between the tea leaves there. <laughs> Well, but I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. I'm well, like, you know what? I mean, she's an expert. So yeah, well, so maybe a gift says, card yeah. to a bookstore is not the way to go. Uh, <laughs> well, it would be for me. Somebody, <laughs> someone give it, I'll be happier than pretty much anything else that they might come up with. But, uh, you know, but yeah, I know, you know, it's 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 interesting to uh, to hear, you know, what you had to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally different times. I personally, um, I'm, I'm struggling with, uh, you know, trying to make moves in between COVID, but I pull myself <laughs> off because I trying to, you know, stay healthy here because I, I, my focus is here. It's right. this work, yes. this job. I, I, I can't afford, like, you know, getting sick. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And Leo, I know, like, there, there is someone special in your life, and uh, we don't have to name names or anything like that because uh, you know you're you don't want to rush it, you don't want to force it. But uh, I, I know for sure, like in speaking with people, that uh, they're they're kind of in a similar situation where like they have a crush or they have feelings for a person, and there's this big obstacle in the way, and that obstacle is called COVID nineteen, and it's ruining traditional ways of meeting and dating and reaching out or just hanging out with people. So I I was very interested in having this conversation with Nicole. It's a good, I think, exercise in just reminding ourselves too, that number one, we have to love ourselves and we have to be honest with what we want out of any relationship and and anyone that we're trying to meet. So uh, again, I I truly appreciate all that Haley, uh, sorry, Nicole was able to share with us, Nicole Haley, her website again, NicoleTalksLove.com. This is The Shift Podcast. Here's an interesting conversation. National anthems and whether or not they should be played during sporting events. And I 
I personally, I don't think there's a wrong answer to this, but I want to get your thoughts. So here it is for tonight's Big Jang Theory. Right or wrong, big or small, John Jang has a take on it all. This is the Big Jang Theory. Now, the national anthem kind of came back into headline news this week because the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA, Leonardo's favorite basketball team, he's waving right now in the studio just because I mentioned that team. Uh, the owner, Mark Cuban, who you might know from Shark's Tank, uh, Shark Tank, um, and, and you know from many other business ventures that he's done in the past, uh, had decided that when the NBA season had started, that his team was going to skip the pregame national anthem ceremony. And this kind of became a story and it blew up and it developed into something where uh, the Dallas Mavericks started getting a lot of heat and a lot of flack from Mavericks uh, season ticket holders, from fans in that area. The Dallas Stars, a.k.a. the hockey team, even going on Twitter later that day and saying, uh, we are going to continue to do the pregame national ceremony, uh, sorry, national anthem ceremony because it matters so much to our fans here in Texas. So when I heard the Mavericks were going to skip the national anthem. I started thinking before we ask the question of whether or not it should be played, has anyone asked why anthems are played at sporting events? And so I present to you this. To sing or not to sing? That is the question today, especially since the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA have become the first professional sports team in North America to officially remove that portion of their pregame procedures. But before we dive into whether or not we should sing, let's go back in time now to learn why we do sing at sporting events. Most experts agree the first notable example of the Star-Spangled Banner being played at a sporting event would take us back to the 1918 World Series, because two years prior to that, then-U.S. President Woodrow Wilson ordered the Star-Spangled Banner to be played at all military ceremonies and other appropriate occasions. Now, it's important to note that the Star-Spangled Banner was not the national anthem of the United States during this time, and it wouldn't be for almost 20 more years when the Senate officially passed a bill into law in 1931 adopting that song as the country's national anthem. But between 1916, when President Wilson made the Star-Spangled Banner a more commonly heard song throughout the United States, and the 1918 World Series, it's critical that we understand the greater context of what else was happening in the world at that time. With World War I raging on in Europe, the decision to play the Star-Spangled Banner during the seventh inning stretch of Game 1 of the 1918 World Series was immensely popular as a show of support for the troops overseas. The crowd was already on their feet, and when the band began playing the song, the entire stadium began to sing along and applaud it at the very end. Now, given the positive reaction, the song was played during the next two games of the World Series, and the tradition slowly grew to include other special occasions like opening day and other national holidays. But that World Series experience in 1918 actually helped influence Canadian participation as well. Because on December 26th that year, after World War I had come to an end, and months after the popular experience that was displayed at the World Series, the NHL 
just a baby entering its second season during that time, saw the national anthem being played before a game between the visiting Toronto Maple Leafs and the home Ottawa Senators. Except it's not the anthem that you're probably thinking about. There was one extra reason why the anthem was played that night, and that's because the Duke of Devonshire was actually in attendance, which made the event even more spectacular. But it wasn't until the 1930s that the NHL began playing the national anthem regularly before their games. Now, it's commonly believed that the national anthem at sporting events were popularized by the Olympic Games first, but the winner's podium actually didn't exist until 1932 when the Summer Games were held in Los Angeles, and we know it was already a common occurrence at baseball games long before then. Now that we have some historical context, I think it's absolutely fair. We ask why the anthem is necessary at all sporting events. Most of us can understand the need to represent one's country during an international affair, such as world championships, a World Cup, or indeed the Olympic Games. But if the Star-Spangled Banner was only introduced to American sports crowds with the backdrop of the First World War happening at that time, well, I think it's safe to say here in 2021, almost 76 years removed from the previous World War, that the pressing need to spread patriotism just isn't as dire. And bringing this all back to the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban, well, Sports Illustrated made a very good point about that. You know how I know the Dallas Mavericks deciding not to play the national anthem before games isn't actually a big deal? Because no one noticed until just now. The team hasn't played it before any games thus far this season, and Mark Cuban confirmed they do not plan to resume doing so, which I think is a good decision. At this point, when I hope we can be entering less divisive times, I don't believe anything productive comes from arguing about what others choose to do during the anthem. If you want to stand with pride in your hand on your heart, cool. If you want to kneel in protest, cool. If you want to do neither, cool. Let's be real. A bunch of people just got done placing bets on the over-under on the song's duration at the Super Bowl. Now, I get the lack of fans may have made this a little easier to pull off under the radar, but not playing the national anthem before events isn't exactly unprecedented. I don't recall it being played before going to dinner, or the movies, or a concert, or when reporting to work. Why should sports be any different? As for the man himself, Mark Cuban, well, he's no stranger to anthem politics, if you will. Here he is in 2017, when the notion of kneeling during the anthem was being hotly contested. On the anthem, I always put my hand over my heart and say a little prayer during the anthem, and I encourage my players to do the same thing, whatever's personal to them, to take that time to, to use that. But um, there are still citizens. Some of them are United States citizens, right? And they have the right to do what they see fit. You know, um, no one stopped them if they chose to donate to a particular campaign. I don't know who they donate to and I don't care, right? That's participating in the political process and no one made an effort to stop them one way or the other there. You know, no one stopped them one way or the other um, from campaigning or endorsing. And so there's no reason to say, okay, you, you can't take your position and and protest the way you see appropriate. So, to sing or not to sing? Personally, this contributor feels the Mavericks are living up to their name, 
but could also be the first of many more to follow. Right or wrong, big or small, John Jang has a take on it all. This is The Big Jang Theory. So, do you agree? Do you think the national anthem should be played at sporting events? Like I said, I don't think there's really a wrong answer for this, but you can let us know. 877-399-9898. You can give us a call. You can give us a text. You can let us know where you sit on that. We got one reaction uh, in the text message inbox uh, from DW in Alton, Ontario. And he says, well, there are Russian, Swedish, Finnish players, etc., etc. Do they get their anthems? For example, in the NHL. Olympics, yes. Everything else, hmm, maybe not. And I think DW brings up a good point here because... When you look at the NHL, yes, like a majority, uh, I would say 45%, if I'm not mistaken, maybe closer to 46% of all players playing in the NHL are Canadian. I believe the United States comes second, and I would say that's closer to maybe 28%. After that, the numbers start uh, getting a lot more crowded, right? We're talking about uh, maybe close to 10% for uh, Russian players, uh, actually Swedish players, pardon me, and then Finnish players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not just... Canadian players, and it's not just American players, and yet we only play those two anthems at the NHL. Hmm. It's curious to me, that's all. And for me, personally, I even though there's really no wrong answer, my personal opinion on this is that the national anthem should only be saved for international sporting events, like DW is saying, with the Olympics, with world championships, with World Cups. Because in that context, it makes sense. You're representing Canada, you're representing your country, and if your team happens to finish on a podium, maybe they get gold medal. Of course, playing O Canada swells a sense of pride in all of us when we see the players looking up and they see the flag being taken to the podium or however they do their ceremony. Like that moment matters to us and it turns into like this historic moment that we can look back on and have those same similar emotions years down the road. But do I look back at like a Canucks hosting the Oilers game from 2003 and swell up with pride because they played the national anthem? I do not. I care more about the context of what happened during that hockey game. I couldn't care less of how the anthem went or who was singing it per se or how long it went. Those details are things I'll never remember. So in the greater context of things, you let us know. 877-399-9898. Should anthems be played at sporting events? It's the Shift Podcast. Let's bring in our good friend. Ah, yes. Roberto. And are you okay? Are you okay with virtual concerts? Virtual concerts. Leo, you can't go to a real concert right now. I mean, not the ones that we're used to anyway. So do you like virtual concerts? Have you done a virtual concert? Uh, if I've done, no. no I, I, I Earlier, like on the, on the pandemic, uh, at least uh, I've I've seen like a, a bunch of artists doing. I was okay with that, mm. but I I couldn't, especially myself. Like in previous years, I I've, I mean I've told the story here many times. I've traveled all around the world to see specific artists. Um, I don't do that anymore, and I wouldn't do, and I don't intend to do. It's not the same thing mm. watching at home. Like there that there, there just there isn't the same vibe. So 
Fair yeah, enough. You know? Like you need to have a crowd, right? You need you need to have the feeling, not just the crowd, of the and, music. And, and, uh, yeah, and the energy and yeah. uh, everything. I just don't feel that it that replicates uh, on the virtual setting. Fair enough. I, I think that's a very good answer. I mean, I, I I've tried to check out as many of these streamed concerts as much as I can uh, in supporting you know local bands, in supporting artists that I know personally. And uh, over the past year, certainly more and more bands have done it, whether they go on live with Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, you know, they, they put out these videos of them doing like a whole album cover. Well, not like an album cover, but they played the album uh, uh, from beginning to end in one go. And I think I think it's a great way to just let the fans and listeners know that, hey, we're still here. We just can't see you in person because, you know, we don't want to die of COVID-19. But the virtual concerts, you're right, like it's not the same. And I, I miss having the energy. I miss seeing mosh pits. Not that I go to a whole bunch of concerts with mosh pits anyways, but I used to. But uh, the whole reason we're asking you about virtual concerts, well, just take a listen to this. It's crazy. I never would have guessed we would be here today. After 25 years, it's you, the fans, that make all this possible. It's been a wild journey so far. But now we're here. And it feels so good. <laughs> so this video, I know, doesn't really answer anything. But I had to play just because of how you know dramatic this whole video and teaser is supposed to be. So chances are, you probably don't know who Post Malone is, right? Like Post Malone, what is that? Post dated? No. Post Malone is uh, is a rapper, like a hip hop artist, uh, singer, musician, artist, whatever you want to call him. Uh, if you've got kids and if they like Pokemon, they're probably going to love this. Post Malone, who is, I, I got to admit, is one of the world's biggest acts right now. Post Malone and Pokemon teaming up to celebrate Pokemon's 25th anniversary 25th anniversary like are you feeling old yet yeah you remember when that started on the tv and gotta catch them all 25 this year and so they're gonna put on this virtual concert anyone and everyone can attend it's gonna be streamed on the pokemon youtube channel it's coming up at the end of this month on february 25th and pokemon has exploded over the past number of years thanks to their uh the game that came out i believe in 2016 called pokemon go a whole bunch of people into that still to this day Pokemon trading cards have skyrocketed in value. If you have like original shiny holographic cards, some of the uh, cards, depending on when you got it, the quality and all these going into the thousands of dollars right now. And Post Malone is for younger audiences, a massive draw. So if you do have children or if you have grandchildren and if they happen to enjoy Pokemon, if they know who Post Malone is, chances are you will not be able to schedule a Zoom call with them on the 25th of this month. They are going to be busy checking out this virtual concert. With that said, let's bring back Roberto. Roberto doesn't mind Pokemon, more of a Digimon guy. I asked him, yeah, in case you were wondering. Are you okay with Kevin James? Not at all. Whoa. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Leo, the happiest guy, the friendliest guy that I've ever met. You are so quick to answer not at all. So what's your problem with Kevin it's, it's James? It's not because of what he does. I don't even watch like uh, whatever whatever with Kevin with, with a show that I didn't even know what is it called. King of Queens. Yeah. I, I don't care. I don't know what haven't watched. It's a very specific reason. So I've seen I've I've seen Billy Joel many times in concert. Right. And Kevin, uh, what's his name? Kevin James. He's the most. He's the most annoying, 
celebrity Billy Joel fan <laughs> in every single concert. Like, Why is he like a wannabe? I, I well, I suspect that he's not a fan at all. Mm. But he says publicly that he is, and they 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 are friends. Like they they done stuff together. Like there are videos of them together. Like the song he has he has sang with uh, with Billy in Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay. But I, I just I just think I think I suspect he's. You a think poser, he's a fraud? A fraud? Yeah, like a phony. Poser. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with what he does in his career. Okay, okay. But I, yeah, on, on the Billy Joel circuit, I just I, and so I can't stand it. <laughs> oh no! I mean, hey, you don't have to defend it if you don't like uh, Kevin James. Hey, that's that's fine. That's a reasonable answer. But you've backed it up with some reasoning, which I, hey, I appreciate the context as well. Uh, but then in, in this case, you might actually really enjoy this clip. Are you okay with Kevin James? For me, I'll say yeah, like for the most part. Like he doesn't annoy me. I don't have a, a Billy Joel like obsession or like idolization, so that doesn't bother me one bit. But are you okay with Kevin James? Well, Leo, you're going to enjoy this clip. That is, that is, that is so It's so bad. By the way, that tastes like frozen dog poop with hot sauce on it. Like that is literally, there's no joy to that. Oh my gosh, Sean. Sean. Oh man. I don't know, I don't even know who I am right now. That changed everything. Yeah. We'll never be the same, Kevin. We'll never be the same. I know I won't be. Sean, I love you, but right now I want to put your face in a bag and punch it. I just want to... So that is Kevin James struggling mightily. Uh, he was on Hot Ones, which, if you don't know, is a YouTube channel where they interview celebrities that come by and uh, they eat chicken wings. And as they move along the line, each chicken wing gets hotter and spicier. So that particular wing that Kevin James had bitten into is called Da Bomb hot sauce and uh, obviously kevin was struggling mightily so if you're not a big kevin james fan there you go that's 45 seconds of him just struggling and as you said or as he said rather at the end he just wanted to punch sean's face in so uh the 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 new episode of hot ones has the king of queens star answering these questions and just talking about how it's like and COVID-19. But a little fun fact about Kevin James and specifically the show King of Queens, it was the last sitcom that had premiered in the 1990s that officially wrapped up in the 2000s, eventually doing so in 2007. So although you might not be a Kevin James fan per se, Leo, you got to tip your hat. The guy had himself a very successful sitcom for many, many years. And I got to admit, I actually like the show. I actually didn't mind King of Queens. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I I have no expertise whatsoever to comment on what he does right, for work or right. whatever. I just, I went on a very specific, uh, yeah, uh, uh, idiosyncrasy of his. So. Okay, all right, fair enough. And you don't like Kevin James? Now we know. Now we know. So I'll I'll be. I can guarantee you the weekend edition of the shift will never feature an interview with Kevin James. Although I might try my darnest. Uh, let's bring back Roberto one more time. One more time. And uh, we'll get to uh, some, some interesting conversations on the other side. But for now, are you okay with Taylor Swift? 
Leo, do you hate Taylor Swift as well? Like, if she all of a sudden was like, oh, Taylor Swift, oh, Billy Joel, my best friend, I'm going to go on a tour with him, you'd be like, oh, no, Taylor, you can't do it. No, I never see, I've never, i never seen her at any of his concerts or any of the concerts that I've been. So, yeah, I, I'm fine. I, 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 it's not what I listen to. Mm. So, yeah, I don't even, like, know her material. So, you don't uh, know Taylor? Okay, all right, fair enough. I know, I might, I know she's so popular because I might have heard her songs but i i I cannot associate like who that is with the song fair enough yeah fair enough so um yeah i'm fine with her i've seen like her album covers like there's a disney plus new thing that she released she seems to be pretty active so i'm fine with her so uh, i i personally am actually a taylor swift fan i think she's incredibly talented i think she's a phenomenal uh performer musician uh, I, I think she plays a whole bunch of instruments too, including the piano. I, I have been fascinated by Taylor Swift. It's one of my like secret, secret, what, I guess just secrets. Like what, what, uh, secret uh, pleasure, guilty pleasure. That's the word I was looking for. But I mean, there's no denying how incredibly talented and successful she is. So I want you to listen to this. So that is Love Story by Taylor Swift. It was one of her first massive singles from her Fearless album, which was like her second album, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know her discography off by heart. But uh, Taylor Swift, that was not the original version. If you are a huge Taylor Swift fan, you probably would have recognized that right away. That is not the original version. In fact, Taylor Swift is now re-recording a whole bunch of her early albums because she no longer owns the master tapes to them. That was purchased by an individual named Scooter Braun. It's become a huge blown-up story, the legalities of owning an artist's actual master tapes, which means they don't own the possession of the work that they created, which is mind-boggling. So Taylor Swift decided, okay, if the courts won't agree with me, I'm going to take matters one step further. I'm simply going to re-record everything. That way, I will have ownership on the 2.0 versions of these songs. So Love Story, which helped Taylor Swift catapult into superstardom, into the star that we know today, this song, that the, at least the version, the 20-second clip that you just heard, is the new rendition of it. And she's going through all the songs in that album one by one. By the way, Fearless remains her most successful album to date. So interesting stuff. And uh, I, I think... I can't know for sure, but I think this could be a precedent and the start of many musicians wanting to take power back into their own hands, dealing with old lost uh, you know, recording rights or whatever, master tapes. They might follow Taylor Swift's footsteps and try to recontrol or regain some of that lost intellectual property. So I say thumbs up to Taylor Swift and a job well done. This is The Shift Podcast. For now, though, why don't we get into it? It's another edition of Learning Portuguese with Leonardo. Hola, shiftheads. It's time to learn Portuguese with Leonardo. Ah, time to bring some class onto the show, as it always is when Leonardo gets to stop being producer for a while and become Professor Leonardo. So on tonight's edition of Learning Portuguese, I've got a few things that I'd love to learn how to say in this beautiful language. And let's start with something that we talked about earlier on the show, uh, asking the question, would you rather sleep too warm or would you rather sleep 
too cold. And that is based off a conversation that we aired from Jill Bennett on 980 CKNW. So, Leo, how do we say turn the heat down in Portuguese? Oh, yeah. All you got to say is diminua aquecedor. Diminua aquecedor. Diminua o aquecedor. Diminua o aquecedor. Yes. And that is how you say turn the heat down. Yeah, but that's not a sentence that you will hear a lot because uh, down south in Brazil, it's quite hot. <laughs> you can't turn tropical. the heat down, right. In the south, it gets a little bit cold for Brazilian standards, so they might use heater. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, yeah. Like if, you're, if you're driving a car, like they, they, you have the heating option, which very few people use it. Like it's, but yeah. So it's not a very plus. <laughs> A good sentence to learn if you're going down there because chances are you won't. <laughs> Fair enough. And and quickly then, how do you just quickly say air conditioner? Uh, ar condicionado. Oh, that's that's not so bad. Yeah. Ar condicionado. Yeah, ar condicionado. Ar condicionado. Yes. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm learning already. That's basically two down. Uh, now, something that we didn't, I, I actually, you know, I, I shake my head. I should have known better. Uh, Friday was the Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year, depending on your preference and calling it. So how do we say, I, like, you know, I, I, when we had the show on December 31st, we got you to say, like, Happy New Year. So I'm assuming it's not that different. But let us know again, how do you say Happy New Lunar New Year, if that makes any sense. I just jumbled a whole bunch of words. But Happy Lunar New Year. Uh, literally, what you what you would say would be Feliz Ano Novo Lunar, but that's not what it said. Like when you read about it, like in New South Lights, when they talk about the lunar year, they use the as you're gonna say like a Chinese New Year. That's uh, that's what's what you hear in New South Lights. Right. That's how they refer. And Chinese New Year in uh, Portuguese means. Feliz Ano Novo Chinês. Feliz Ano Novo Chinês. Yeah. And Chinês basically just means Chinese. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se. I mean, we live in a very PC culture, so you maybe you have to be a little bit careful. But I'll admit, like, when I grew up, it was called Chinese New Year. And many of the celebrations that we got to witness and be a part of, like when I was in elementary school, Chinese New Year was a big deal for us. And we all got to have a little fun with like the red envelopes. Every student got one. I remember we had like these big assemblies in the gym and every student got one of those red envelopes. There wasn't money inside, but inside there were like little candies and little treats. I think there was even like one of those chocolate Canadian loonies. You know what I'm talking about? The chocolate coin. Uh, we all got some of those. Like, you know, it was, it was a nice little way to sort of introduce young children uh, to some very interesting cultural experiences. So I appreciate that again. So that's uh, Feliz Ano Novo Chinese. Love it. And yes. Then, yes, sir. If you're ever curious, you can be like, hey, let's get some Chinese food. Right? Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll ask Comida you that next chinesa. time. There, how you, there say. you go. All right. And this one's just for you, Leo, since we highlighted your big TV moment and you're a big television star now. You've got your own talent agent. You've got auditions all lined up. How do you say... I'm on TV. There are two ways to say. Like, formally, you would say, Estou na TV. Estou na TV. Estou na TV. But nobody says, like, Hey, estou aqui, estou em casa, estou na TV. No, nobody says estou. They, they, they shorten the verb, which uh, which is, estou uh, means stay. So, in here is in the, uh, yeah, means estou means stay. But they don't say estou. They just say the, the final syllable. They say tona TV. That's what you say in spoken language. Tona TV. Yeah, which is easier. 
So you can literally say that now, Tona yeah. Tebe. Yeah. I mean, you weren't technically in the shot, but they were talking all about you, so it still counts. Yeah, it does count. Yeah, Tona Tebe. Yeah. Tona Tebe, yeah. Leonardo Cuello. Yeah. boy, yeah. Now, I, I would have to, like, look, I, I haven't talked to Shane about whether or not he's been on TV. You know, he's had such an extensive career in, in the media industry. I'm sure he has at some point, but I'm, I'm not going to automatically assume that he did. So he's a bit of an unknown. But I've, I've been on TV once. Ryan O'Donnell, the producer for The Shift throughout the week, I don't think he's been on TV. You know, he's got such a bright young future ahead of him, but he's young. I'd be surprised and impressed if he's been on TV so far. Matt, maybe. So the one thing that we know is that Leo has gotten a shout out on TV. The next step for you is to get in front of that camera. You know, get that handsome Brazilian face in front of the camera. That's that's your ne- next big move. <laughs> I don't think that. And then be, you but... could be like, the first thing you'll say is, Tu na TV. Yeah, Tu na TV. There you go. Hey, mom, I'm on TV. Exactly that. And, uh, of course, another big conversation that we've had on the show tonight is asking you the question, should national anthems be played at sporting events? That's because the Dallas Mavericks, for one day, decided we're not going to do the national anthem for pregame ceremonies anymore. And then everyone got mad. And all of Dallas erupted in a fit of rage. And Mark Cuban and the Mavericks said, okay, 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 never mind, calm down. We're going to do the anthems again. All good. I kind of wish they just stayed with their original strategy, but I digress. So how do we say this, Leo? Please rise for the national anthem, which is what you would hear if you go to like a hockey game and it's about time to sing O Canada. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, please rise and remove your caps. Exactly. Execution for O Canada. So you say, you hear the same thing from the PA announcer when you're there, but in their language it means... Uh, I forgot to add the, the ladies and gentlemen here for you, but they, well, because it's not there, but they use this ladies and gentlemen, they say, senhoras e senhores, por favor, levantem-se para a execução do hino nacional. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Break that down for me. So, por favor, please. Por favor, yes. Levantem-se. 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 Yes. Para a execução. Para a execução. Execução, try, try, execução. Execução. <laughs> yeah. Do hino nacional. Do hino nacional. Yeah. Por favor, levantem-se para esse... Oh, boy. Para <laughs> execução. 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 That's yeah. so tricky, man. Yeah, man. Execução da hino nacional. <laughs> You're getting there. Oh, we yeah, are crashing yeah. and burning tonight. You know, sometimes I get it all right. And I make it easy on myself. I try to pick small sentences. But this one we had to throw in because of the national anthem debate. So yeah. say it for us one more time because I can't do it. Please rise for the yes. singing of O Canada. Exactly. Oh, and what's the name of the uh, Brazilian national anthem? Hino Nacional Brasileiro. And that means? Brazilian national anthem. Oh, That's- it doesn't have like a name? No. Like the Star Spangled Banner or O Canada? No. It's not like the Mexican anthem has the same thing. It's Imdo Nacional Mexicano. The Brazilian anthem is called Hino Nacional Brasileiro. Oh, I see. Yeah. It doesn't have like La Marseillaise, like O Canada. We're going to have to, yeah, you you can start a petition. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, it's been like that for ages. So I don't think it's changing. But yeah. Hey, man, sometimes tradition is meant to be broken so that you can start something brand new. Just think about that. 
Uh, Leo, before we wrap things up, uh, we did get one uh, particular request for learning how to say something in Portuguese. This one from Kelly Lyons in our text message inbox. She wants to, uh, Kelly wants to learn how to say, how you say, uh, Merry Christmas. Well, we're, we're just a little past the season, but hey, why the heck not? Oh, why, why not? You gotta, there, there will be Christmas coming. That's true. Uh, yeah, so you, you can never be too practice. early. Yeah. I, I, do you remember? Because you said... Like, Feliz na voso. No. <laughs> I think that's. I thought, I thought you remember because you said it quite well, like when we did at the time. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you're thinking Feliz Navidad, which is it's that's Pajol, right, which is it's Spanish, but in Portuguese it's Feliz Natal. Ah, that's right, Feliz Natal. Oh yeah. Oh, it was yeah, close. That was close. Yeah, you forgot. Yeah. Uh, like if that was a test, would you have given me at least like half a mark because I got Feliz right? Um, I'm not sure. Like uh, I don't. Yeah, it, it, well, it will be an open, yeah, open-ended question. It, it, well, it will depend on my mood. Uh, uh, oh, wow. If I, yeah, like, uh, th- that Such happens a, a lot with teachers, you know, if they're in a good mood, they might consider something that in another day they wouldn't, so, yeah. Right. Okay, well, all yeah, right. you might. Well, I appreciate yeah. the honesty. I appreciate the honesty. What I'll do for you in order to get a passing grade is get you a gift card to a bookstore. Clearly, that's that's the one way to, to Leo's heart. It's through books. Do you like choose-your-own-adventure books? Does that work for you? Are you a fan of those books? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, adventure books? Choose-your-own-adventure. Oh, choose-your-own-adventure books. Do you know what that is? Uh, is that a saying? Oh, my uh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, think I, know, I think I know what to get you for your birthday or something. I'm going to get you. Uh, it's coming. Get you. September. Yeah, September is coming. Uh, that's too far away. Maybe yeah. I'll just have to get it for you just because. Uh, Choose-your-own-adventure. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, for the for the record, choose your own adventure books. Always a lot of fun, and I'm so shocked that Leo doesn't know what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.